0: welcome to the legend of the death race podcast i'm your host tony matisi and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage power and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles all of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits today's legend follows the story of death racer ande wegner who competed in two death races ande welcome to the show
1: Thanks for having me, Tony.
0: I'm so stoked to have you. How you doing?
1: Doing good. I'm a little cold over here in uh, the frigid Midwest.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. I can only imagine. I do not miss it at all.
1: I can't say I blame you. Every winter, I ask myself why I live in this godforsaken state.
0: <laughs> you know, anytime you want to come up here to Seattle, we'd love to have you. I'll
1: take you up on that, brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So you're from the Midwest. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about where you're from in the Midwest?
1: Uh Yeah, sure. So I'm from a far south suburb of Chicago called Bourbonnais, born and raised there. I'm a small animal veterinarian. I operate my own clinic. I'm also the medical director there for obvious reasons. And I actually find this very interesting. There is, for out of all the occupations that death racers have been, there's quite a number of veterinary-related people. Interesting. Uh, have, yeah, like, so Robin Crossman is a mm-hmm. veterinarian, Kevin Lowe. Uh, mm-hmm. Athena Aura is a vet yeah. tech. And that's just three, just three off the top of my head. I mean, so again, there's thousands of occupations out there. And yeah. there's just like this why is it that all these veterinary people are interested in this race? I just find that a little fascinating.
0: That would be something to kind of dig into. Do you have any idea why you think that might be?
1: I have a theory that it may have to do with just that type A personality of just being exceptionally driven. and Well, yeah, it takes a lot to become a veterinarian. So. Yeah, that's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, I think just that driven and motivated demeanor that we have. I also think that we just kind of have a different outlook on life just because of our career a little bit. I mean, we deal with a lot of roller coaster rides of emotions.
0: Um, oh, I could imagine.
1: Yeah. So I, I think that, I don't know, there may be just some sort of a, a drive to sort of find that release and these types of races really do help to channel that a little bit um so i don't know i just i just found it an interesting little facet that there's that number uh, of veterinary field uh people in there
0: yeah that is super interesting and it's like there's a lot of these little weird i guess correlations you start to find as you dive more into this death race of the people who do it and it's like you know we've talked about the trauma and how A lot of people have done it for that. And Mm -hmm. you know, you find this correlation where there's a lot of veterinarians and it's like, why are the, you know, why are all these different groups, these different people coming to this one event? It's very interesting. And maybe we'll find out a little bit more as we get through more of these interviews with people and and maybe we'll find uh, some more evidence that helps us understand why.
1: I look forward to finding that evidence. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, um, well, if you don't mind telling us how old you are now and how old you were when you did the death race.
1: Uh, I'm 40 now. I turned the, the grand 40 years old this year. Woo-hoo! Uh, yeah, yep. right? New milestone, new age group, even better. Yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did Death Race twice. In 2013, I was 34. And then I did it again in 2015 at the age of 36.
0: All right. And so, you know, how did you define the Death Race?
1: So this was back in... 29 or 2010 I really, I really can't remember the exact year but so I was chatting with a couple of buddies of mine on Facebook Messenger and one of them put up this link titled you may die.com <laughs>
0: hey, right
1: yeah exactly so we had been talking about finding something really hard to sign up for just to kind of find what our breaking points were so on and so forth and they both knew at that point that I kind of had a bit of an obsession for skulls so that sort of immediately interested me right there okay um, so I'm like all right guys totally, I'm going to do this one day. This is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, nice. So that's really how I discovered it. it. was just a happenstance fluke conversation between some friends of mine while we were shooting the crap on Facebook.
0: That's awesome. And so you saw the youmaydie.com and that lured you in?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was enough to kind of start to get my interest peak. So I started researching it more. I you know, went on YouTube to all the old videos that they had up and just kind of started learning about it a little bit more. And, and the more I dove down that rabbit hole, the more I went, Oh, yeah, this is definitely something that I need to do, uh, just to find that breaking point, find out what my limits were. And why did you want to find that out? You well, know, that's a good question. I, I think the answer is different for everybody. For me, and this, I don't mean to sound just, I don't know, pompous about this, but, high school, college, stuff like that, it all just kind of came easy to me. I'm I'm a really good test taker. I'm a really good academic uh, when it all comes down to it. And when I was in high school with sports, I mean, softball kind of came easy to me. Just, I don't know, there was just not a whole lot of difficulty in things. Mm -hmm. And so I think you miss out on the full circle when you're not Really challenge to your ultimate ability. Um, so I started finding things that were harder and, and that would last longer. And, you know, what's going to beat your, my body down more? Where am I going to find that breaking point? And, and, uh, when my buddy showed that you may die.com link, I'm like, yep, that's, that's it. That's where I got to go.
0: <laughs> it's like, that sounds like the challenge that I yeah. need. Yep. If I may, if I may die, then this is, this is the challenge that's going to get me to where I need to be.
1: Yeah, that's that's what started it all.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's it's interesting too because I feel like I had a lot of that same stuff too growing up. You know, school was easy. Yeah, everything came easy, you know. And when things are easy, then you're like, oh, you know, is it it's not even that hard. It's like you want that challenge. You want to feel pushed. You want to feel like you need to find something inside you to overcome whatever obstacle you're facing and when you don't have those challenges it's pretty mundane
1: yeah you just you almost kind of kind of become apathetic after a while you just kind of like yeah you're just going through the motions and i'm not going to say that i lost my my zest for life but just things became boring a- after a, a bit you know you're going through the same rigmarole day in day out and you just you need something to challenge you something to kind of wake up the senses and remind you what life is all about
0: One hundred percent. It's, you know, having those things that challenge us, that's what really gets like us alive. That's what makes us feel just more connected with everything around us, the world, the people like it's just when you're challenged, you just you feel more, you experience more, you express more because you're challenged. And it's like it forces you to to feel everything. It forces you to experience things more because you're forced to try to overcome that challenge. And so it makes you dig deep, figure out how to overcome it, figure out the things that work and don't work. It really tries you.
1: Yeah, I I totally
0: agree. So you found this death race. You had your why you wanted to be challenged. What did you do to train and prepare for this challenge that you were going to face that you may die?
1: So I was definitely not a stranger to endurance racing. I mean, I had been doing triathlons and long road and trail races for several years by the time that I had discovered that race. So I knew that I had the cardiovascular endurance or something like that, but what I knew that I needed to work on was more physical and mental strength. So yeah,
0: let's, let's dive in a little bit to your athletic background and then let's, yeah. let's jump back into this training.
1: Sure. So I've always, again, kind of been on the athletic side. I, I did club sports in high school and whatnot. And then when I got to college and was a poor college student, I just I took up running because it was cheap and and easy. I mean, really, all you need is a pair of running shoes. That's about it. So
0: yeah, and then, uh, I mean, if you really want, you could run barefoot. But- <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that point later. <laughs> no, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll
1: we'll get to that point. Yeah, so I took up running, and then when I got into vet school, which was uh, in a, a beautiful Caribbean island, which was a nice experience to live outside the country for a bit, but I, that? I kept... That was on the island of St. Kitts uh, in the eastern Caribbean. Oh, it was gorgeous. I mean, I, I miss that place. I, I want to go back. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so I kept up with running, uh, but then I actually started swimming and doing some cycling down there, too, because, well, the ocean's right there, and so that, that kind of was my... Little entry into triathlon. Okay. Uh, uh, I had been really fell in love with that sport because you know why be decent at one sport when you can suck at three. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, right. So no, I, I it was great. It was it was challenging. It was different. It was still just kind of novel to me. So I've been really doing triathlon as a mainstay since about 2002. You know, I've done some marathons, some ultra marathons, but I always circle right back around to to tries. Uh, that's always where my my passion is kind of lied um, with that. So, but yeah, I mean, moving forward, when I discovered this this uh, whole death race thing, um, I knew that, and I had the endurance. That that ability was there, but I I really didn't have a whole lot of muscular strength. You really don't need that for a triathlon uh, to you know pick up a fifty pound rock and carry it for thirty miles. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time carrying a lot of heavy crap in a really uncomfortable ruck uh, while hiking the just the nastiest trails that I could find because I knew there was going to be a lot of suckage, and, and I figured that would be a good way to develop mental grit as well as physical strength.
0: Um, and gosh, what it- is a nasty trail like? Because, I mean, in Illinois, we know – At least I know that it's pretty flat. It's
1: pretty flat. So
0: what what defines a nasty trail in Illinois?
1: Good point. Um, The muddiest, wettest, most mosquito-ridden crap that you could ever walk through. That's really what I went down to. I mean, and these trails really were not well groomed. I actually needed to bring my axe to chop through some of these things. So so just
0: you're bushwhacking. You're going through muck. You're just it's it's yeah. Maybe it doesn't have the elevation of some of the other states, but you have something that sucks and the suck factor. Is there to kind of just test you. Okay.
1: Where the elevation was lacking and the suck factor was redeemed. <laughs> so. Very good. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Tried my hardest, but yeah, there was, there was one point I was out with my buddies, um Ian and, and Dan. We did an all day hike and we carried, it was probably somewhere around 85 or 90 pounds uh, in our ruck. And then I had this like little secret spot in the woods where there was a crap ton of wood rounds that they had chopped down from the forest preserve. And we spent, Tons of practice here, splitting wood, and I mean, just had a had a blast. It sucked, but at the same time, it was kind of fun because misery always loves company.
0: It really um, does.
1: It really does. And then uh, I actually spent another week up in the mountains of Montana, specifically training for this. I had two buddies of mine, Dave and Jesse, that are both Army veterans, and they had me running up and down those damn mountains with a full ruck and carrying an AR-15 and doing PT until I basically dropped from exhaustion. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. So we, it was just. Complete rustic camping. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face at night. It was just pitch black out there. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I want to go do that again. And then out uh, there. Oh yeah, it was a blast. And then there was this also this other little thing that I signed up for called the Legend of the Death Race Training Camp. What's that? By this guy <laughs> named Matisse. Oh yeah. And, uh, I and know it was, that guy. Yeah, it was held on this guy Chad's property up in Wisconsin.
0: Shout out to Chad. Chad is amazing. I still can't thank that guy enough for everything he did for me back then.
1: Chad's a cool dude, man. I, I yeah, really like him. Yeah, yeah. So though know, that that really kind of helped to solidify a lot of the mental prep that took or that it takes to deal uh, with something like that.
0: No, we actually uh, haven't really talked about that event. So maybe just a short little summary to help give the audience who doesn't know about that like little period of our lives.
1: Okay. Uh, so yeah. the highlight Highlight, I guess, the Cliff Notes version is Tony had hosted a couple of these training camps that were roughly 24 hours in duration and uh, called the Legend of the Death Race, which is so apropos uh, to yeah. the things that we're talking about right now. And it was just like a like a mini death race, uh, if you will. And Tony took a lot of the stuff that he learned from his previous experiences with that race and applied it to these camps. So namely, again, carrying heavy crap in very awkward positions. Um lots of log rolls. I still hate you to this day
0: <laughs> for
1: that. Rolling through oh my god, Steve was it was that his name? Steve rolling through his skittle vomit was probably the funniest and the worst thing at the same time. I mean it tasting the uh, rainbow twice. <laughs>
0: that, so that I still feel so bad a little bit about it. <laughs> Only a little bit, but this one guy came in early and he had finished a task early and, you know, if you finish a task early, you might as well refuel, right? So I knew what was coming next and I'm like, hey man, you got about 15 minutes before the next challenge starts. Feel free to fuel up however you want, knowing he's going to be rolling. I was, it was very, very, very mean. I'm sorry.
1: Steve. Oh, it was the worst, but. But so
0: he ate a ton of of Skittles and then started log rolling for a long time. And next thing you know, he tasted that rainbow twice.
1: Yes, he did. (laughs) And then we Uh, all had to share it. (laughs)
0: Hey, I just got to put you guys through what I was through.
1: Hey, and uh, thank you.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So, yeah, you you participated in uh, my training camps and – You had done all these other training events, and that got you prepared for the death race. So did you have any fears going into the death race?
1: So I think everyone who shows up for death race always wonders if they've trained hard enough for game Mm -hmm. day. So, yeah, I think my biggest fear was that going into it. But I'm going to spell it out for everybody listening here. You are never going to train hard enough for something like this. There's just – you can't. There's no plan to follow that guarantees safe passage or success. And that's why it's the death race. I mean, you, you just, you have to be prepared for the unpreparable at that point. That's impossible to do.
0: Yeah. It, it's literally an impossible task. You can just, you can do your best. You can prepare yourself mentally. You can put yourself through really shitty situations. You can carry heavy, awkward things all over the place, mm-hmm. but no matter how much of that you do, they always find something to, throw a wrench in your day. So just know that you're probably not going to be actually fully prepared.
1: Can I get an amen?
0: (laughs) 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 So yeah, you're, so you're afraid of not being prepared. Okay. So you go to the death race and what happens? What is the craziest thing that you encounter in that first death race that you were at?
1: (laughs) Okay. So 2013 was the year of the gambler. So that I think was kind of an infamous race because it went on for what seemed like forever. I think it went like what sixty eight. No, it was like I think it was like
0: 70, seventy. It was
1: crazy long. I mean, it was it was definitely crazy. So the dumbest thing that I think I did during that whole thing was mowing the lawn up at Shrek's cabin with scissors. <laughs>
0: Yes, I, remember I mean, that.
1: again, it was just busy work. I mean, and it was it was boring, but I understand it was just a need to kind of pass time and just give people some downtime, which I in an effect. I OK, thank you. Thank you for that. But still, it was kind of dumb. Yeah, um, I mean, they try to do that, too,
0: because yeah. it's this monotonous tasks that can get people to quit because they're like, this is dumb. This is exactly this is well, you know what? It made you quit. So it was hard because yep. it made you quit. So, yep. you know what? They, they got you.
1: Yep, that's Um, the absolute truth. I mean, I looked at it as this is time off my feet, so this is great, but at the same time, this is, yeah, this is dumb. I mean, I understand the reasoning behind it, but this is dumb.
0: Um, But I think that's one of the best things you did. You looked at it in a different way. You were like, this is dumb, but it's also, you looked at the positive. You tried to Mm -hmm. pull in the positive, and I think that's what anyone who wants to do this race needs to do. you got to look at what's the positive of this thing I'm doing right now. Like, you know, when you're doing yoga for hours, that's beneficial to you, actually.
1: Heck yeah, doing, it is.
0: You know, some of these things that they're doing, if you look at it in the right way, it's actually helping you. So you might think it's dumb, but try to get out of your head, try to get out of your ego, and try to realize that maybe these things are actually serving you in a good way.
1: Absolute truth. Got to find the silver lining in every single little silly task they set you forth on. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that was probably the silliest thing. Uh, the most interesting was definitely the stone stairs. Uh, Ooh, on that, yes. I mean that, that's just hands down I i think I could have worked on those forever I would have spent the whole race just doing that I love being a part of it I like that kind of labor and I, I love watching it all come together into this just beautiful piece of artwork because that's really what it was when it was all said and done I mean that was a piece of landscaping art um, It
0: really is it's so beautiful you go to Vermont now and on this mountain on the Riverside Farm property the mountain is that leads up to Shrek's cabin there is just this gorgeous stone staircase there's a Facebook page for it I think it's called Mm -hmm. the stone staircase I
1: do believe you are correct
0: I'll add it to the show notes and
1: it's just so beautiful and Um, that was all moved by hand
0: and it was like yeah it was just like I agree with you it was such a rewarding experience yeah definitely definitely a top top moment
1: yeah absolutely agree interesting side note so michelle roy who i guess is kind of the self-guided caretaker of, of the stairs i mean she those stairs are very precious to her too yes so she would place stones little small rocks with names on them for cancer survivors and yes. i think also people that did not survive uh, as well so she actually wrote my mother's name on that so my mom's name is sitting up there on the stairs which i think is really cool uh, so that. yeah it's, yeah, it's I just again, she, those, I
0: love that she did that too.
1: It's yeah, a, those stairs yeah. are, are very near and dear to me. That was a lot of literal blood, sweat, and tears that went into that. On just the dozens of people that were there, and, and to produce something that beautiful out of nothing, really, I think is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to find the right words because it's just so just. It's so rewarding, so amazing, so beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, if you're listening and you're ever in Vermont and you have the chance to drive to the little small town of Pittsfield, go visit the stone staircase and just look at the beautiful history that has been created by these death racers over yeah. the years and just just revel in that beauty.
1: For real. I mean, I I think everybody really needs to go see that at some point in their lives. It's just... It's just a marvel. It's something to really marvel at.
0: You know, it makes it more clear how past generations were able to accomplish some of the things that they did, right? You can do these things with human power. You know, we always ask, how were the pyramids built? Well, they were built from the bottom up, and those guys carried those blocks one by one, you know, and that's how they did it. The guys and girls, everyone who was involved in that built that. Yep, 100. Built that, and we can build things when we're willing to, you know, do some hard work.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, th- those are the two facets for 2013. Uh, you know, I participated in 2015 as well and just some highlights for that. I- I'd have to say the silliest thing and I love Johnny Wade, Don't get me wrong, but doing that whole being born out of that bivvy bag and the the running water. I mean, again, he's trying to kind of tell a story through the whole thing, which was cool.
0: Yeah. Um, let's do a quick like highlight of what that whole story is. I don't think
1: we've so, actually. Uh, Oh, yeah. So so 2015 was labeled as the final death race from cradle to grave uh, was the title on that one. So that was Johnny Waite's brainchild. And each task had a theme behind it. So one of the first ones was we're being born. So we had our little sleeping bag bivvies, and we had to get in a very fast-flowing stream and completely submerge ourselves in the bivvy and then simulate exiting the birth canal. (laughs) So again, I, I understand the theme behind it, but I'm like, this is just silly. I'll do it, but this is just silly.
0: <laughs> I mean, so, it's that getting comfortable, being uncomfortable.
1: Bingo, bingo. And, and you know, we all, I think we all had the same looks on our faces. Like, is this really happening? Yeah, this is really happening. Okay, here we go. So, so that I think was the most silly, but the most interesting part, which I think was originally designed to be the most sucky, but totally backfired on them was the barefoot, barefoot hike. I mean, that was, that was what, like a 50K of hiking in our underwear and no shoes. And I think they were, I think they really truly believed that it was going to be a a big loss of people during that. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, because we didn't have shoes on, we didn't get trench foot. And the hike was actually quite pleasant. I mean, we were all tethered to each other, like these teams of 10 people. And I I feel really bad for the people that maybe had some crappy teammates or whatnot. But my team was awesome. (laughs) And we laughed. We laughed and joked the whole time, and we were talking about farts and poop and you know, <laughs> all the crap that we always talk about. And, and uh, I had Tara Spencer behind me the whole way, and she was talking about how she was looking at my ass the whole time. I mean, it was just silly stuff. And yeah, I think what was designed to be a completely demoralizing task ended up probably being one of the highlights of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like it probably created a lot of strong bonds, which, you know, just made you all stronger.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
0: That's awesome. So what was, on the flip side, the most difficult, the most challenging thing that you had to face at either of these death races?
1: So 2013, and this is going to sound really funny because, again, I, I spent a lot of time carrying heavy stuff for training, but I think the one thing that really got to me mentally more so than physically was carrying this heavy-ass rock through the mountains in addition to the weight of our rocks, and we had to carry it in front of us. I don't know if you remember mm. that. Yeah, okay. You're making the face. I, I see. So, I mean, why do we hold in our I rock? remember. Yeah, it couldn't touch the ground, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm walking up, and I'm like, I'm Billy really badass. I'm going to take this big rock. And I did, and it probably weighed like 35 pounds. Which is way heavier than I should have taken. I mean, I totally bit off more than I could chew. So I remember at one point I'm climbing this steep ass embankment and I am in tears because I know that I can't drop this stupid rock, but I needed my arms to balance myself to get up the steep embankment. So I, for that moment, I told myself, this is absolutely dumb and there is no reason to keep torturing myself like this. And I had a fleeting moment where I, I just, I just want to be done. I want to quit this, but I didn't and I kept just Putting one foot in front of the other, and eventually I made it up to the top of that mountain and down the other side, and things got better. So, yeah, that was that was definitely just that one little thing that got to me uh, during yeah. that. Yeah, that was a, some suckage right there.
0: Those, those rocks sucked. I actually ended up having to. I had one that started like just cutting my hands up, and yeah, it was sucking. And I I ended up losing the group, and I put it down. And to this day, I kind of feel bad because like, I put it down, and like you're not supposed to put it down, right? Mm-hmm. But I was like, I need to find the people. That's more important. So put my safety first, put the rock down and then found everyone and then eventually found another rock and kept carrying it. And you know, it, it's one of those things that like lingers in your mind. You're like, oh, I had to like kind of, you know, navigate that not the way I would have liked to, but when you're lost and you don't want to lose everyone, what do you do?
1: And yeah, that's the point. And sometimes you need to make those types of concessions just to. Well, one, play the game, but two, you got to keep yourself safe. I mean, that's the utmost importance.
0: Yeah, and you know, honestly, like if I didn't lose the group, I probably would have kept the rock and never put it down. But I was like, um, I'm lost now, and it's dark, and I'm whistling with my whistle, and I don't hear anyone. So Mm -hmm. goodbye, rock. You don't matter anymore. (laughs) I hear you there. About 2015, was there anything there?
1: So. The thing about 2015 is I'm not going to say that there was anything there that was so impossible that it couldn't be done. I think the, the key was it was just there was a lot of monotony to it. So that gets to you after a while uh, just uh, because there's, you know, you kind of need that little spark to just invigorate you again. Um, what I will say is when they started school and you had to start going through the school thing, again, rolling sucks. Front somersaults really suck, so I will say that that probably was not my favorite part of the whole thing, especially after having to drink a bottle of hot sauce. Uh, yeah, how about them apples? That sounds <laughs> awful. Why? Well, yeah. uh, well Johnny, that's why. <laughs> oh, Johnny, I love you. I love you, Johnny. Love you, Johnny, but, yeah. Uh, I think that's a little mean. <laughs> that is all part of the game. It is yep. what it is. Yep. Yep.
0: So, what did you eat to sustain yourself other than hot sauce?
1: <laughs> <laughs> True. So, I'm a big believer in eating what makes you happy, because mm. again, you really need to keep your your emotional game up, and you know just the happiness needs to be there. So, I saw a lot of people showing up with like goos and. MREs, and just stuff that you would not eat any other day of the week. Um, and it, it just 12 hours into any race, whether that's an Ironman or an adventure race, that it just becomes completely unappetizing. So I ate stuff like beef jerky, granola. I was the one walking around with gummy worms.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, the gummy worms. That was me. So stuff that was like really nutritionally dense in terms of protein and carbs, but also doesn't take up a whole lot of space. I mean, it's just – it was easy to pack was ready to go. I didn't have to do anything. So, it, and it tasted good. That was really what it came down to. So, um side note though. So, during that stone stair work in 2013, my better half and Sherpa extraordinaire Rick, yes. I don't know how he did this, but he managed to sneak up an entire bucket of barbecue chicken, watermelon, and like whole cans of Coca-Cola. For me and the rest of Team 9, and we ate that best meal on that freaking mountain that I think I'd ever eaten.
0: It was amazing. You know, I don't remember what was going on, but they started feeding us. Like, they were bringing food. Because I remember I, brought, I got in some of that chicken, too. And I was like, where is this coming from? Yes, because you,
1: you, you were, like, either Team 8 or Team 10, right? You were, like, either whatever I was
0: the really, I think I was close by y'all, but I was like, why are we getting food? This feels really sketchy. I don't think I can trust this, like but I'm really hungry, so I'm going to eat it anyways. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, that came from Rick. So, yeah, he managed to sneak all that up there, and, and Andy Weinberg came down and saw us all. He's like, good, you guys deserve this break. You've been kicking butt all day long. you know." So he actually let us sit and take like a 15-minute break to eat. I swear and I think
0: that's meal. what made me even more skeptical. This is <laughs> really fishy right now. What yeah, doing you're doing? right. But, again, you get if they keep anything. us fed, they get these stairs done, so maybe it makes sense.
1: Yeah, right. No, that was probably the best meal I had ever eaten. And, I mean, it was under horrible conditions. The chicken, I'm sure, under any other day was probably just barely acceptable. But it was, <laughs> it was so delicious in that moment, man. I was, oh, just in heaven. I was in heaven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Real food, good food, things that taste good. That's what you need to eat during a death race, an ultra marathon, a triathlon, an endurance event. It doesn't matter, really. If it's a really long format event, forget those gels and goos and lickies and stickies. Those things ain't going to do shit for you. Get something with substance. Get something with flavor. Get something that really makes you happy because that's what's going to keep you going for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 hours.
1: 100%. Absolute right.
0: So how did you stay awake?
1: Movement. Movement just engages movement. the brain. Yep. I just kept moving. The caffeine from any soda that I could drink would help a little bit, but I, I honestly, during either of those races, I never relied on any stimulants. What, what you saw was what I was at that That's point. Awesome. Yeah. It's just, if, as long as you keep moving, the brain will engage. Um, it, really, some...
0: it really will. And sometimes it's hard at night. Is there anything yeah. like, you know, at night when it was a little bit darker and colder, was there anything that you ever had to like, do to psych yourself up or did you ever get like really tired?
1: Uh, no, I never really felt truly tired. Um, there were some moments where, you know, in, in the dark, you just, you kind of sort of lose a little bit of sense of self for a little bit. So uh, honestly, singing is what would bring me back. I would just yeah. sing stupid songs. And as hell, hell, half of them were nursery rhymes. I'd sing itsy bitsy spider, climb up the freaking mountain. You know? <laughs> it worked, you know. <laughs> you,
0: you, you mentioned that you'd start to lose yourself at night, right? And yeah. so... Bring brings me to the next question is, any hallucinations?
1: I did not, unfortunately, see a single dang thing. I was so disappointed in that. <laughs> I never got to experience any hallucinations at either death race. Now, uh, Fue- but at Fuego y Agua, on the other hand, big-time hallucinations going on at Fuego. That. Oh, really? Oh, big-time. I saw rhinoceroses and <laughs> snakes what? dangling out of trees. Oh, I was, I was so horribly dehydrated. I was seeing crap that just...
0: Oh yeah, dehydration yeah. will do that. You your brain will just stop. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> stop it was, making it was stopping. That,
0: like, are actually it just doesn't work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I went from sixty to zero real quick on that one. Whew!
0: So big question: Did you finish the death race?
1: That's a no times two. So uh, yeah. Okay. twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. I pulled myself because I completely destroyed my ruck in that barbed wire. High low game with uh, oh, Peter. Oh, I
0: remember that.
1: Yeah, this was probably one of the most disappointing moments of my life because again, I, I trained my butt off for that race and I felt good uh, the whole the whole time. So, but uh, yeah, there was this really just gnarly barbed wire crawl where we had to drag our rucks down to the bottom of this pit that was just rocky and just a horrible ravine. We had to go down to a young young child. I think was it one of Peter's kids? I, I think don't it, was. If it was
0: Peter or Joe's. I can't remember. I mean, this it was point, it was but, one of the kids from you know someone in the race directing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. Went and, and the kids they they can be horrible. <laughs> they, can they, be, can be the they can be the worst. The worst little things, but um, they really I, know how to get in your head. <laughs> totally, but psychologically, I I got good with them in in the beginning because I I don't know what I did, but I played them up. I'm like, oh, you guys are really awesome, and you're really cute, and it's so nice to have you here, and so on and so forth. So anyway, back to the story. I get down to the bottom of this ravine. And it's one of the kids. And I'm like, hey, kiddo, good to see you. So said, I've been told to come down here and get a card for you, or from you. And he's, this is your lucky day. And he hands me a queen. What? And I'm like, nice. All that schmoozing earlier on paid off. Okay. So I dragged my ruck back up and... Peter's sitting up there at the top, and it's time to play the game of high-low, right? So Mm -hmm. he throws down a a 10, and I go, I got you, you mother effer. Oh, man. And everybody's cheering and screaming and great, and I'm like, okay, high moment of my life. I don't have to do that barbed wire ravine thing anymore, because I think you had to do it three times minimum anyway before you got your card, something like that.
0: it It was five times total, three times with Ruck, and then the last two could be without
1: that's what it was. So yeah. Unless, so those, unless
0: you won one of the rounds.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, the, the ruck went through that three times. I didn't have mm-hmm. to go through any more after that. And again, high moment. Beat Pete. He's great. And I pick up my ruck and I put it back on my back and immediately I'm like, oh, the spine of this thing is jacked. I mean, it was just digging into me and, and it was totally uncomfortable. And it was probably what like a two mile run to get back down to Amy Farm before the next uh, yeah, hike. Yeah, something like that. So I'm, I'm running down and every step is just, it's shooting pain into my, to my back because of the way that this thing is jacked up. So I get back and Chad Weberg is there and Amy Booth, uh, what was her last name at the time, she was there. And I tell them, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm having some real issues with this ruck and I don't think I'm going to be able to go on if I, if this is going to keep going on. I'm certainly not going to sacrifice permanent back injury at the just for the sake of a race at this point so i had chad working on it, i had amy working on it and time's ticking down and i'm sitting here staring at this ruck and looking at my just kind of in, inwardly looking at myself going i feel great i'm not hurting and i'm going to get taken out of this because of the mechanical that's what this is going to come down to which really really sucks so chad that's the worst when your gear fails i mean it's like- yeah i mean it, it just really just kind of sucked on that one so um Long story short, the I could not get the ruck to fit well enough for it to be comfortable anymore, and I just didn't think it was going to be worth it to risk something like that, knowing that Bloodroot Hike was the next thing to go down, and that was going to be like a what all night hike. I think it went into the early parts of the morning. Oh yeah. So it was rough. so I yeah so I walked up to Andy Weinberg with maybe about ten minutes to go, and I I said I'm pulling myself, and he just had this pure look of surprise in his face, like why you look fine? Oh so I am fine, but my ruck is broken. So he's just deadpan looked at me. And he goes, "So find another ruck," and my eyes got big, and I'm like, "Shit, why didn't I think of that?" You know, because I mean, by, I'm I'm such a rule abider, you know, like right. you just think right. you're, this is what you're told to do, and you do it, and you, there is no exceptions, and this is what you do, and so you're just, you you know, find another ruck. So I'm like, "Oh my god!" So I'm running everywhere trying to find somebody that maybe dropped that had a ruck that I could use. To no avail. The one guy said, Well, you know, I, I have an extra ruck, but it's all the way down at the other farm. And I'm like, I'm not going to make that in, in time. So I, yeah, I went back. I'm like, Well, I, I guess I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and it just kind of took me out at that point. And, and I talked to you about it right before you took off, too. I know, and, I know. Yeah, I remember you
0: coming up to me and I was so heartbroken that you were done. I know. Like, no, this isn't acceptable. Like, you yeah, need
1: to keep I, going. I, I was just devastated. I really was. Yeah. So yeah, that's what that's what took me out in 2013 was a mechanical. And so 2015 when when the final one came around, I'm like, you know, I'll I'll go back. I'll give this another another shot, uh, knowingly full 100% that I did not go in fully trained for that one. Long story on that. I I just wanted to go hang out with my friends for weekend <laughs> of suckage and and I don't know like you said, you know, misery loves company and I just We all had such a good bond, you know, going in. And so many of my friends were going back. I'm like, you know, I'll I'll throw my hat in the ring. And in the middle of the school thing, I think what this came down to was people were not dropping fast enough for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing in line waiting to dunk my uh, completely submerge into this dunk pool. And I'm a little dehydrated. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I was kind of out in the sun for a bit and I kind of got a little bit behind on dehydration, but I wasn't feeling horrible. And this medic comes over to me, and he grabs me, and he looks me in the eye, and he he does the old, like, 1920s movie trick where he pulls down my eyelid and looks at my eyeball, and he goes, you're dehydrated. We're pulling you. I'm like, y- you are freaking kidding me right now, right? This is ridiculous. He's, nope, you're out. It's my call. I'm like, uh, okay. So they put me on the back of an ATV, and they wheel me up to the medic camp. Darren Harris is is there with his daughter, you know, right. And he sees me on the back of the ATV as I pass by and he has this complete WTF look on his face. Well, I'm just, I'm just shaking my head, looking at him going, I don't, I don't know what happened. This is where I am though. This is where I'm at. So,
0: uh,
1: so yeah, but I'm okay with it. That's the funny thing. Like I'm, I'm okay with it because everything happens for a reason.
0: Yeah, it, it, it usually does. So, I mean, you didn't finish, but how, what, what lessons did you learn? How did you feel about that?
1: So 2013 again, I, I came away with this feeling of incompletion. Like I knew I had more to give, and I had not found that breaking point that I was searching for. So, but you know, like instead of going back to the cabin and just licking my wounds from oh I, I did DNF or blah 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 because of mechanical, I spent the rest of that time in 2013 channeling that energy into helping. Out. So um, I fixed exactly. other people's feet. I addressed the Like other people, you know, like so the other racers that were still there. I went from racer to kind of traveling medic at that point. So, yeah, I started fixing other people's feet, addressing trench foot, blisters, so on and other uh, things like that. Um, I started sneaking food to people when they were starting to run. Really- <laughs> 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 so
0: you just went from them. being the rule abider to being the helper.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. You know, just anything, just providing moral support. So, oh, yeah. and it was, I mean, it was really more so through that where I met. So many amazing people that I now call friends and family. I mean, namely Darren. Darren De Harris is, is my brother in arms for that. Now his feet were disastrous. Let's just put it that way. The stinkiest, nastiest feet I think I have ever encountered. And now we're like best friends. <laughs> uh, hopefully, so, he's
0: taken better care of his feet now.
1: Probably not. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I think it was. Just kind of a game changer for me that I could still channel that energy into something else and still feel like I accomplished something in 2013. In 2015, the knowledge that I gained in the days that followed and that I kind of became at peace with was that in both of those outcomes, I did not cheat, nor did I intentionally cut the course. I followed instructions. I did right by myself. The death race is really unique in that there's a lot of whole, there's just not a whole lot of rules per se. Right. There's always ways to make things easier on yourself or to maybe get back in the race when you've been pulled. You know, you can find those little, I won't call them cheater routes, but ways, just ways to get back in, you know, whether that's going and doing lawn work for some neighbor down the street for 15 hours, you know, but I feel like I chose the harder path every time and I'm okay with that.
0: That's all you can be, right? Right. That's good. That's good. So where. Does the courage to sign up for something like the death race come from for you?
1: So for me, 2010 and 2011, I went through a bit of a rough divorce, and that really mentally knocked me down for a while. It kind of made me question my worth. So I found the value in making myself feel strong through physical training. And with that, again, I needed a goal to set my sights on. So I picked 2013, 2013. As my year to participate I took 2 years to physically and mentally become the best that I could be for that event and I developed courage along the way learning that I that I could stand on my own and that I was enough just how I was.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And then how did you how did you develop the power to overcome all these adversities that you'd end up facing there? What were some I guess things that uh, helped you do that?
1: So I fully believe in everything, that knowledge is power. Uh So I researched this upwards, backwards, downwards, I mean, every possible way that you could. I read and watched every possible thing I could leading into death race. I spoke with people who had done the event previously to gain insight on how the event unfolds. I mean, I, I really tried to gain perspective from as many angles as possible. Again, you can never fully prepare for this race, but the more information that you do have going in... I think, helps. And I just trained my ass off. I mean, that's that's really where this all came from.
0: Read a lot. Read a lot. Learn, learn from others. Train hard.
1: 100% true. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, who were you before the death race, and who are you now?
1: I think I have a lot better handle on who I am today than who I was six or seven years ago. I really strive to be forthright and honest, um, kind of regardless of the circumstances, and I try to be a source of encouragement for other people, and I I really strive to be a leader in my community. In order to do those things, though, you have to have the confidence to place yourself in that position, and seven years ago, I don't think I could have said that about myself. Hmm. Um, I absolutely can say that now, though.
0: So a lot more confidence in yourself came as a result of participating in these events.
1: Absolutely. I really do. I I really do believe that that is the case. I, I think that win, lose, or draw, these types of events help to show you who you are. It really provides that mirror of which you can kind of look into and see yourself for what you are. And the good, the bad, the ugly. All of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all onions. We all have lots of layers. And if you want to peel as many of the layers back as possible, as quickly as possible... Doing an event like this will get you there, and you'll really discover who you really are, what really matters to you.
1: Truer words have not been spoken.
0: <laughs> right. So uh would you do the death race again?
1: You know, if, if I had the same body that I had a few years ago, I probably would. Yeah. But I have been... Battling a bit of an autoimmune disease for about three years now, and it, it kind of saps me of my energy to undertake events that are longer than 24 hours anymore. I did one ultra long event last year at the Triple Anvil uh, Triathlon in Virginia, which is just insane. <laughs> it's yeah, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life, and that really ranks up there as dumb. How I love one- how did that one go? So it was a. Sp- so, a triple, a triple anvil is basically three times distance Ironman. So, it was a 7.2 mile swim, a 336 mile bike ride, and then a 78.6 mile run. I did finish it. I was second overall and also second female. The top two women, or the top two finishers were both women that year. Holy shit. That's right? a lot of miles. That is a lot of miles, and it's a lot of dumb. Um, but I loved um, it at the same time. It's I mean, everybody that was there, they treat you like family. It's just, it's amazing. Um, just, so, so hard though. And it took me several months to feel normal again after that. So, I, I just, I'm learning that I can't rebound like I used to. Yeah. Um, and, and it makes me a bit sad, but at the same time, I'm, I'm at peace with it. I was lucky to be a part of Death Race twice. I've made lifelong friends because of it. I would not change that for the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you learned a lot, and you're more confident. And, yes. You know, it's, it's great. So, unfortunately, you won't be able to do more of these, but I think everything that you've learned from it is helping you to do so many wonderful things.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I agree with that. I think it's really kind of helped to steer my life in the right direction.
0: And you have a race coming up, don't you?
1: I do. I actually leave in 48 hours for Ironman Arizona.
0: Um, Well, we're going to wish you the best of luck at that race. Thank you. We hope that it goes super well for you and leaves you with that big smile.
1: I plan on on smiling the majority of the time. I figure if I can get through a triple anvil and Iron Man is a walk in the park. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> Should just be like a normal easy day for you.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah, just a nice long long day. Long easy. So day. so
0: uh usually at the end of these episodes I like to ask about books that mm-hmm. you have read that have helped you to get in the right headspace for the death race or any event like this. And so I want to ask you I'm assuming you probably have some good recommendations, what are some books you would say that are, that you read or others should read to prepare for events like this?
1: You mean when I'm not reading veterinary journals and trying to keep up on the latest and greatest in medicine? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so I am admittedly a, a science dork. I really love science stuff, so I try to read a bunch of things on – survival guides. And um, I have a book on edible wild plants. I have a book on medicinal herbs, you know, things like that. I really love survival type things because not only is the stuff in for the information interesting, but you never know when you're going to need it at the same time. So I, I just I really enjoy things like that. But if we're getting into the nitty gritty of books, I did read a, a book a few months ago. It's called Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. And okay. it's all it's all about the things around us that shape our decisions, so it's about bias, like subtle bias and unconscious bias, uh, if you will. It's a real psychological trip um, Ooh. yeah i I think that that is a, a very fun book to read. So yeah, it sounds like
0: a good one to add to the list
1: yeah I, I really like that one. Another book that I really like, mainly because I swear it was like my dad wrote this book. And a lot of people have already read it, but I'll mention it anyway. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. (laughs) By Mark Manson. By Mark Manson. You got it. It, It's just a nice, I don't know, I I guess just a perspective thing on the little stuff doesn't matter. And focus on the things that do matter, uh, really. Um, So, but that Dan Ariely book, highly recommend. I think it's a great one. And uh, I just... Bought a book called High Performance Habits, uh, which is by Brendan Burchard. I plan on reading that on the plane on the way down to Arizona. So that's next on my list. And then after that, I want to read, I think it's actually been mentioned a couple times already on your your uh, podcast, but the David Goggins Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. Right up there, man. I want to read that so bad.
0: Yeah, that one I've heard a lot. So that's definitely going to be uh, on the list. Yeah, yeah. Along with all the other books that we keep hearing about. These sound like some great ones. The Mark Manson one I can... Say I've read it and I agree it's a really good perspective and it's it's a really good way, a good reminder to just let the little shit go. It's not worth wasting your time over. There's so many more important things to worry about.
1: Yes. Again, like you said, it's a great perspective book. It kind of helps you just refocus your mind on on that type of thing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ande, for being on the show with us. Thank you for sharing your legend. I want to invite everyone to stay tuned for more legends and If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the podcast, and please consider leaving a review. It really helps us when you do this. So stay tuned for more Legends from past Death Racers. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Just a quick reminder, my Legend, the Legend of the Death Race book, is coming out soon. If you haven't already, go to the Legend of the Death Race website at legendofthedeathrace.com, click on the banner for the pre-order, and sign up to get on our mailing list, and you'll be the first to know when the book is released. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training you can follow me on instagram or facebook just search the handle at that endurance guy or visit that we'll see you next time on the legend of the death race podcast now go create your own legend